2: Hello, and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? I
1: have been possessed by the spirit of a peer of armor. Shoulders, particularly.
2: All right. Well, I am not possessed, and therefore I will continue leading this endeavor. Uh we are going to be answering more of your questions. We actually have quite a bit of them, including one that is uh, absolutely massive. So we have no clue how long that's going to take. But thank you very much for sending that in. Uh, and I'll give a shout out to Matt Damon for that. Uh, not the Matt Damon, Matt Demon. So make sure there's a distinction there. Uh, but if you have questions for this podcast or the other one, be sure to go ahead and send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, or you can go ahead and throw them into our Patreon and the Patreon supporter uh, Q and podcast questions channel. Uh, we do tend to look there. As a matter of fact, most of the other questions we have here in this week's uh, selection all come from that particular channel. Uh, if you don't have Patreon, we understand things are tight. You can always send us that email, or we do have one for Q questions on our Discord in which we do look for podcast questions after we look at the other places. Uh, so be sure to send those in. Um, we're going to start off with the ones from, uh, Matt Damon today. Matt, just so you know, that was a, a wonderfully large selection. I'm not going to read the entirety of the email and instead I'm going to skip directly to the questions. Um, just because we'd be here all day and well, as much as we appreciate it. We want to get to the meat of it. So the first question from Matt here. Are we sure that Titans can even be corrupted? Azeroth herself has even been touched directly by old gods for untold amounts of time. Seeing is Yashiraj brought up blood when yanked out, and the other old gods weren't killed the same way because of the same reason, and we know even sleeping world souls seem resistant to the whispering of multiple old gods because Azeroth herself has been in contact with the speaker, and Magni seems okay for now. Sure things may change in the future, but as for what is in game, I'm not seeing anything that shows titans can be corrupted by the void. Fell maybe because of Sargeras, but that's different.
1: Well, if you only accept evidence specifically from World of Warcraft, then that is the case. However, if you go by Chronicle, the book that they put out that contains the history of their setting, yes, we know that Titans can be corrupted because Sargeras came upon a world that was in the process and destroyed it before it could finish. He certainly seemed to believe that they could be corrupted. Being a Titan, one suspects he might have more insight into it than say we do but i will give you that we did not actually see a a void titan because waiting to actually get the void titan probably not a good move and the fact that the titans themselves seemed pretty concerned about all the old gods infesting azeroth and when they discovered they couldn't just kill them deliberately imprisoned them put them into like various forms of containment Implies that they saw some kind of concern. There's something about this process that is bad, and they don't want it to continue. But we've never—I mean, it's sort of like asking, "How do we know that that this knife will kill you? You've never—I've never seen you die from a knife wound." Fair enough, but I'm not going to let you stab me to find out. That's kind of how this is this the way this works. There's never been an actual void titan in in, in the game. We've never actually seen a Void Titan. Uh, so as far as that goes, yeah, we've never seen one corrupted. To be honest, we don't know that we've ever seen Sargeras corrupted by Fel. He's affected by Fel.
2: He certainly but, doesn't look green when we pull him back off of Azeroth.
1: Well, but that's not even the thing. Yes, he's he's been using Fel and he's got demonic servants and all that. But how has it changed his outlook? It hasn't. Sargeras's mindset, he he decided, after he destroyed the world that was being corrupted by old gods, he decided that things had to be done a certain way. This had nothing to do with Fel. Like, the Fel didn't make him make that decision. And everything he's done since has been the same. I mean, and look at when we see Agrimar. When Ag- when he, he gets his hands on Agrimar and they quote-unquote break him, Agrimar doesn't become different physically i mean the 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 avatar of agramar that we see and fight looks like agramar so i don't think corruption is the issue here titans titans can just have enormous power even if nothing changes about the titan when the void entities get done with it when when the old gods get done whispering in it even if azeroth isn't physically changed She can make bad decisions. I mean, Sargeras certainly made bad decisions. So I don't know if it's, I don't know if they're worried about it in in the sense of like, you know, now she's going to have tentacles. I think they're worried about it in the sense of now she will decide that the void is right and put all the power of a Titan behind that.
2: Yeah. And I think that's, that's usually my sticking point when it comes to stuff like this is the term corruption can mean a lot of things contextually and I'm going to argue that we've already seen some of that effect in-game, in particular with Azeroth, while walking alongside of Magni. So, Azeroth is not okay. Like, straight up, we know that. And I'm not just talking about the bleeding wound from battle for Azeroth, the blood fissures coming up all over the planet. Yeah, those are physical traumas, but don't forget, when we go to Ulduar, at one point, during all of that questing... Throughout everything that we do and what is happening, Azeroth is having a nightmare. That nightmare is manifesting itself as void tentacles and void creatures and beings of shadow. There's already an influence being had. Yes, there might be some natural resistance to uh, a change of nature based off of being a titan. Uh, like Matt's pointed out, Sargeras's mindset hasn't really changed uh, much from using Fell from what he was before he started using Fel, which is this is my course of action. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a more subtle influence. I'd I'd argue going back even further, we can see how they've already had that idea in game when you start talking about Medivh and Egwyn and you start talking about how her decision making process was shifted ever so subtly using her natural inclinations by the little seed of Sargeras growing inside of her. And the same thing happened with Medivh. The same thing could happen with a Titan, where maybe a whisper here or a touch here plays off of a natural inclination of what that Titan is and makes them do something extreme as a result. We don't even know what Azeroth is, quote unquote, a Titan of yet. Uh, We know that we have like A&R with life and we have uh Amanthul with his time magic and, and everything else. They all seem to have their specialties. What's Azeroth's? What could that mean if there's that little tiny whisper, that little tiny influence telling her to do something extreme or telling her to do something just a little bit extra than what she normally would and causing a whole bunch of stuff to go sideways? It also becomes like a matter of scale. Right. Like if you as a person are told to do something uh, or push in a direction that makes you do something that you wouldn't normally do, maybe, you know, try a new sandwich or whatever, and it doesn't turn out to be something good. It's not really that big of a deal. That's that's sort of small scale. These are cosmic beings or entities of enormous power of which you've pointed out here that when they are influenced to do something possibly outside of their norm or maybe to an extreme of their norm, that could have potentially catastrophic results. Let's go back to Sargeras on that. Sargeras, even if he's resistant to whatever's happening with him, even if he's being subtly pushed by the whispers of the Nathrezim or being pushed by the whispers of Kil'jaeden uh, you know, and and you know, being pushed in a direction that he normally maybe would hesitate a little bit or not go as far or extreme. Maybe that makes him go just that extra step further. Maybe that's why he stabbed Azeroth on his way out, because maybe he wouldn't normally do that. Maybe he would still try to to salvage the operation in some capacity or or believe that somebody under his employee is going to continue his his crusade to to bring Azeroth to his side. No, he's he shoves a giant sword into her. Maybe that isn't what he would normally do, considering he spent all this time trying to bring Azeroth to his side, to bring it into the fold, just like he did all the other Titans. One could argue that maybe it's not a a corruption in the sense that, like, Azeroth is going to grow to be like an old god, but it's just what they can do. And we've seen Nazoth have an insane amount of that influence already. We've seen the old gods be able to do that with things that aren't Titans. Who, who's to say that these things buried into Azeroth's flesh, essentially whispering in her dreams for all this time wouldn't have an impact? We don't know. And, and that's part of what I take on birds with when people like focus on corruption as like a physical manifestation. Corruption just means deviation from a chosen path or deviation from essentially what you are programmed to do. When a program becomes corrupted, it's because it's no longer doing what you want it to do that's kind of the same thing that i've looked at here and we may never so, know to, to
1: jump back in here for a second go for it uh one of the things that happens when we confront algalon who is a servant of the titans and he says perhaps it is your imperfections that which grants you free will that implies that titan creations at least don't have free will yeah and here's the thing about the Titans—they are exceptionally orderly beings. Now, think about Sargeras. Sargeras found the most chaotic force in the universe, demons, the fell energy that they use, and, and then themselves, and he hammered it into an orderly instrument where it has a chain of command. It has rigid, you know, superior, superiority—you do what you're told. If you don't do what you're told, you pay for it. He made that thing orderly. Mm -hmm. He imposed order over chaos. Mm -hmm. The The removal of him and his lieutenants has allowed the Legion to become chaotic again. That's why they're not currently a threat. But think about the fact that Sargeras didn't become disorderly. He was still rigidly orderly. He was just applying it in a way that would seem anathemaic to other Titans. That means, in some fashion, you might argue that Sargeras had no choice mm-hmm. when, given the worldview he was given, and we know where he got it from, he got it from his first encounter with the hmm Given that order, he had no choice but to do what he did. He's extremely predictable. They're all extremely predictable. That's one of the things the Nathrasym even say. When you read that, the 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 un, un, you know with the uninvited guest, the unseen guest, uh, I want to, I can't remember the, the, name the, of the journal. The the, the the yeah the, yeah, they they talk, They point out that the titans are exceptionally orderly and easy to manipulate. You can predict what they will do as long you know you give them a certain piece of information. You can predict what they'll do with it. That's why they're very very vulnerable to the old gods. That's why they're vulnerable to the fell. They can't predict what the fell will do, and they have no idea what the old gods are up to. When, when presented with the old gods, they, they built a, f- a facility to attempt to study them. Yeah, that's the whole had, point of mother. They, yeah, they couldn't understand them. Now, imagine Azeroth in a similar situation. She doesn't have what we have. She doesn't have free will. We have the curse of flesh to thank for a lot of the things that have affected the mortal races of Azeroth. Can a Titan go through that process? Can a Titan acquire free will? Do they have it? That's something to consider.
2: and is, I mean, is the process
1: necessary? of corruption for a Titan might very well be the gaining of free will. I was and just going to say that, that, that imply. Yeah. What would that imply? What would a Titan with free will be? Because the Titans we've seen up to this point, it's not just that they have their special powers like life and time and all that, they have a role to play in the Pantheon. But there's no Pantheon anymore for Azeroth to interact with. There's no order for her to be a part of. She's the last one, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: the final Titan, and she's been rebuilt. Like, you know, we must rebuild the final Titan. What is she going to be? What is a Titan that doesn't have that rock certain order? Every Titan we've ever met, for all we know, they could still just be the nascent first stage in development of entities that are far, far greater. I mean, you look at the pantheon of death who are said to be on the Titans levels or even beyond them, and they clearly have more motivations. Like, look at Sire Denathrius. Yeah, was, look he's a perfect example of that, yeah. Does, is that because they've been through the next stage of development?
2: Are they in the, the next, next stage of development?
1: We don't know. We have no idea. But the idea of corruption needs to be really thoughtly, thoughtfully considered here. What does it actually mean? To quote another video game, redemption in of itself is kind of a spiritual collapse. It's a giving up. And Sargeras never gave up. There's no redemption for Sargeras because he still believes he's right, mm-hmm. and given the information he has, he is right. the The old gods cannot be stopped, and they will corrupt the universe, as far as we can tell. There's there's nothing yet that's proved effective. We don't even know if blowing up yog saron with the reorigination device did anything to him.
2: It could have done nothing at all.
1: Yeah, or it could have actually been exactly what he wanted. We don't know, but that's the thing to consider in all of this. We don't do, we know for sure that that Titans can be corrupted. No, we do not know that we do not know that they can't be either. And considering what they can do, it's probably not a good idea to find out. So that's pretty much my, the end of my answer on this one.
2: And I would agree. And I I think it all boils down to the same thing, adjust how you think about the term corruption. And I think it frames everything ever so, ever so differently. The second question from Matt here, uh, if Sargeras is allowed to take the sword out of the planet, either by slowly shrinking it or pulling it out, would the wound, if contained, become something similar to the Well of Eternity? What is the difference, if any, between what came from the wound created by Yashraj and what may come up if the sword is ever removed? And before you guys start asking why Sargeras would remove the sword, that isn't the question. The question is, what if he did? Uh, and there's a What fo- makes
1: you think he can? It's my follow up to that. <laughs> If we're gonna, you're going to tell me I can't ask one question, I'm going to ask you a different one. <laughs> How do you know he can remove that sword? How do you know what that sword was for? Like, just because it's a sword doesn't mean he was trying to kill anything. And that's something I keep thinking about. When he put it in, there's that whole bit where you're, you're forced to go and use your artifact to draw out the quote-unquote, like, cosmic poison from it so it can't hurt Azeroth and in the process destroying a whole bunch of artifacts mm-hmm. why did he do that what was he trying to do because here's the thing he killed one world he, he destroyed one world soul Targaryen, in fact is the only person we know of to have successfully killed a world soul Was, why didn't he not do it this time? He didn't. The stabbing the planet did not have to be what he did. When he destroyed that planet, he cut it in half with his sword. He could have done that to Azeroth. Why didn't he? When he got here, he did not attempt to destroy Azeroth. Now, Joe already pointed out, you know, he, he was trying. He, there were multiple times where it was hinted that, that he was attempting to turn Azeroth to his side. Um, the whole thing with the Jeweled Scepter Sargeras talks about his desire for Azeroth. He may have been looking for a mate. Um, he may have been jealous because the other Titans were like, oh no, we've, this one will become the most powerful Titan ever, implying, and you won't be anymore. Uh, so he might've been jealous. There's a lot of potential possibilities behind what Sargeras was after. In terms of if, if we even accept he could remove the sword, why do we know it's, he's going to remove it? For all we know, Azeroth is going to remove it. Mm -hmm. He may have been attempting to give Azeroth his sword because she's going to need it.
2: And if you think about it from that perspective, too, Azeroth is in a lot of ways a combination of all of the Titans. So we don't know what form Titanic, like shaping of a world really, really takes anywhere else. Because we haven't really been privy to it, but at least on Azeroth, there, I think there's an argument to be made that with the dragon flights in particular and how they were empowered, with how Azeroth has been shaped, it's with the influence of pretty much all of the titans and in, in some aspects, it's almost as if each of the Titans has given her an aspect of themselves, whether it was Amon and keeping the timeways clear specifically for Azeroth, because we don't hear about that happening anywhere else with a bronze dragon flight. You have one that has the Emerald, basically governorship over nature and the Emerald dream uh, and making sure that things stay pure. You have one that's a guardian of life. You have one that's a guardian of the deep ways and and the earth, uh, whether or not, you know, they're still around what they did before that that's all debatable and you have one that takes care of all the ley lines and power and magical energy these are curators these are aspects of the titans essentially given form to help shape the planet that always stuck with me a little bit and when you go back to sargeras sargeras was the warrior not not just the warrior, because Agamar was as well but,
1: yeah, but he was, the, it was basically Sargaris as the one in charge and Agrimar as his assistant. Exactly. Knight and Squire. Yeah. Knight and Squire, basically.
2: So what if that was, and, and, and you make a really good point. This is something I've thought about on, off and on. What if that wasn't him saying, I'm going to kill Azeroth. This is my time is done. There's nothing else I can do. I see the writing on the wall. I need Azeroth to have a weapon that I know can cleave the void in twain. And so instead of, trying to kill or hurt or maim. Maybe he was just trying to crack the egg. Maybe he was trying to get her to wake up and take the sword up because if she is supposed to be the last titan, maybe Sargeras knows this, maybe he understands that prophecy. Maybe he understands everything that about that to a certain degree that maybe we don't, because we don't know what he's learned over all this time. We only know that
1: we know that at the big confrontation between the Titans and and sargeras when they they went to that planet and had their their big meeting that ended up with you know in destruction we know that they told him that they'd found this world and this world had overcome the void that it was possible Mm -hmm. because he didn't believe it was possible he he, the information had never been vouched safe to him until that point and he didn't even he didn't take it well obviously based on the slaughter that then happened so we don't really know what his intent is in terms of what you're asking in order for the wound to become like the Well of Eternity, you need a whole bunch of Titan Forged shaping it. Because that's what happened with the Well of Eternity. The Well of Eternity wasn't just the gaping wound caused when Amenthul pulled out Yashraj. It was then everybody got together. The, after they defeated the other uh, old gods and locked them away, they got together and created a network of sites across the planet. And one of the things that that network of sites did was channel the energy from the wound back into Azeroth, the well of eternity for all the the power that it leaked out into the world around it. Most of that power was going straight back down into Azeroth. It was healing her. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. We don't have an army of Titan forged able to build a worldwide network Over the course of centuries to create something like the Well of Eternity again.
2: Heck, that network isn't even connected anymore. The closest we've gotten to it was when we were trying to fire the origination beam or re-origination beam. And even then, not all the facilities are connected because Alduar. Some of them don't
1: even exist anymore. Yeah,
2: some of them don't exist anymore. Alduar said no. Uh, So, like, they're not. not, They can't even leverage what was already there.
1: And what was already there was built around the well, not the wound in Silithus. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and the wounded Silithus is very close to the heart chamber, which if he was trying to destroy Azeroth, that's probably a good move. Uh, but if he was trying to do what Joe suggested and get Azeroth to get up, you might want to hit the heart chamber because with the heart chamber gone, that's the governor. That's the thing that can, that keeps that whole system in going yep and as long as that system's going azeroth is dependent on it if you want to get azeroth to get up you might have to take out that last bit of the system which we which was utterly did not happen so ironically we in all of our efforts to save azeroth we may be keeping it in in the world we may be keeping it in check
2: yeah, I, I, this is going to sound really goofy, but I always think about this in terms of something similar to, and, and I, I hate bringing up 40k all the time, but it always reminded me of sort of like the Emperor on the Golden Throne thing. It was just this thing where it kept him in a permanent amount of stasis, you sacrificed a whole bunch of power to it to keep it running, and it was an archaic system that nobody really truly understood, and now the story there is already evolving into, well, maybe the fact that you've had this cosmic being that could regenerate itself or heal itself or be better, uh, um, essentially a form of stasis, is not the best idea. And that was always something that I've been considering uh, since we started learning about the Titan facilities is, what if that was a mistake? What if that was it just- It might have
1: been something, too. I mean, even if it wasn't a mistake, it might have been something that was necessary- At the time. You know, eons ago. But since then, it's now, it's like you put somebody into the system and then now the system has been so thoroughly messed up
2: mm-hmm. that
1: it's doing more harm than good. That's possible. We don't really know, but we do know that it, no, it's not going to turn into the well of eternity in terms of what is coming out of it. Is it different than what came out? No, it's not. It's the life essence of Azeroth. The difference is, is this time it's just uncontrollably bleeding from a multi. It's not just coming out of this one area. When he pulled Yashraj out, he made a wound, and the wound is where everything was leaking. But I, oddly enough, with the sword in the wound in Silithus, it's like it's coming up everywhere else. Because Azerite's not just popping up out of Silithus. It's all over the world. You run into it everywhere. So this is less... like We have no idea what this ultimately is in terms of its effects on the world. Yeah. which How bad this wound is. What, you know, you Joe mentioned before about how Magni has seen that Azeroth is having nightmares. Azeroth had nightmares about exactly what happened to it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: That's the other thing to consider. Unlike us, Azeroth's nightmares are, are not just fears that things might happen. Azeroth is a cosmic entity. It gets sense of what's going to happen. That's something to keep in mind. So... I know it wouldn't be like the Well of Eternity, but it is, It is in many ways, it might be worse. And it might be this that forces the world awake, ultimately. Like, at one point, people have, like, back when he still worked there, Dave Kosak made a comment about how he, Azeroth might never wake up. And since then, you know, obviously he's left Blizzard and they didn't make that canon. We have no idea what's going to happen. If Sargeras was to pull the blade out, we don't know what the result would be. We don't know what the result would be if Azeroth pulled the blade out.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and that I think that's kind of the, the... That's the takeaway. And one of the other things that I've been thinking about it, too, is... I just going back to like what we were talking about before, we don't know what the purpose of him stabbing it in the first place was. And because we don't understand that, it is very hard to speculate what would happen if the sword is pulled out. Because again, it's not killing the planet because fairly confident he could have done that. He had plenty of opportunity to do that. And that's the other thing too. Like he was wrapped around Azeroth for a while while we were dealing with other things. He had a perfect opportunity to manifest and just cleave the planet and he didn't so why what was he trying to do before that was he trying to wake her up was he trying to figure out what his family did because don't forget while he understands the titan facilities uh like that they are titan facilities he wasn't there when they were built he wasn't there inspecting them he doesn't under- no, understand necessarily how the they titans- all work
1: you remember the titans that that built all that stuff were the ones like amin um you know, our Norganon's a big guy. Norganon's really involved in this. Norganon's the one who builds things. Uh, those are the ones who did, you know, it was them and their servants that did the work. I mean, their servants did most of the work. They, they were just in charge of it. It's, it. This is like, Sargeras isn't a doctor. Imagine if you're like a soldier and you come into a room where, you, where doctors in your unit have been working on a guy. You know that they've been working on the guy. But that doesn't mean you know what they did. That wasn't his specialty. That wasn't what he did. So, yeah, he might come there and be like, "Okay, I got to wake this dude up to interrogate him." And it, there's nobody there to explain to him, "No, you can't do that." You know, there's no one there to tell him even how to wake that person up. So, yeah, there's a lot to this. There's a, a lot of potentials. I don't think, but I I think to answer your question since you you did ask a question and I want to answer it, we don't know but it wouldn't be a well of eternity.
2: Yeah, and I would agree with that. And I think we can move on to the third and final question from Matt here. Um, I remember reading a while back, and I don't remember the source, and I'm sorry. The Titans, while they were imprisoning old gods, thought Cthune was dead. While this may answer why the chamber in its raid doesn't look like a Titan facility, doesn't this also mean that if Cthune isn't dead, according to Cho'Gal, talking about his master in the present tense, isn't Cthune free? If my memory was right about the Titans thinking it was dead, why would they imprison a dead body? And if that bit of history has been changed due to the story updating or whatever, why hasn't there been a bit of lore added in-game to explain why this chamber doesn't look like a prison like Yogg's does? Oh,
1: this one's easy. Uh, no, they, didn't, they absolutely didn't think he was dead. They knew that these things couldn't die normally. They're called necrophotic at one point, Deathlights. Mm-hmm they they were like they didn't understand it but they like you know we tore this one apart and it's 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 its destroyed body is still doing things so they knew once they killed yashraj they knew none of these things can die normally we 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 don't understand this so they locked him up cuz even if he looked dead at that point they're like nope not taking any chances um so no to the first part you, you, i don't know where you got that from that's not part of the lore I, I, uh, in in vanilla There was stuff about a a titan in vanilla. There was stuff, and this wasn't from the titans. This was from people who lived after the titans, Mm -hmm. uh, writing about how a titan and an old god fought, and the titan fell. The titan was supposed to have died. It turned out to be a titan servant, like a titan forge, one of the big powerful ones. But you know, like the master's glaive up in, in Ashenwood, Ashenvale, yeah, Ashenvale. Uh, yeah, there's the Titan's Glaive up there. That's not a Titan's Glaive. That's a Titan Forge. And the thing it's in is not an old god. It's an old god servant, one of the Chithraxi. But, I mean, you know, to the people who observed this stuff, okay, that's, you know what I mean? It's like you're telling this person that's not a god. They have no idea. It looks like a god to them. It's its like that. That's the the, the story that's in Sillifus. It's from various old god worshipers. Expressing what the the little bit that they saw from like visions from their gods. In terms of why it doesn't look right, it's because when Cthun took over, he began shaping Encarage to his yeah, let's, liking.
2: Well, real quick, just to back up before you go into that, Encarage was a Titan forged facility that was created during the ordering of Azeroth and was under the purvey of High Keeper Ra. That was where it originated now you can go to the the corruption and and all that other well
1: stuff. yeah i mean for that matter if you you'll notice ankarage is right next to oldham yep they're right there they are practically physically connected you literally go over a hill and you're you're hitting a titan facility in a, in oldham uh, they're right there all of oldham was part of the original origination machine that's what its function was AQ was to study the old god. They had him. He wasn't doing anything. They put him in there and they began studying him, just like Old like Deer. They were studying this thing. And all, you'll notice Old Deer, they weren't studying an old god. They were studying old god essences. Which so they, they were had taking, to extract
2: it from somewhere.
1: They were taking samples from all the old gods that they had. They were taking samples from Cthulhu. they were taking samples from Yog. they were taking samples from Nazoth. and they were taking those samples to Uldir and working on them there. They were, you know, which makes sense, you don't want to work on them right next to the thing, that's why you have, you have containment for a reason. As a result, they created, uh, what's his name, O'Ghun oh, there, the blood god, literally like a god disease, like it, not just a god of disease, literally a disease that is a god. That's what Kahoon is. They, it's not good. And yikes, that was not good of them to do. Don't do that, guys. But anyway, while that was going on, when C'thun managed to exert itself and, and take over the facility, because the Silithid dug into it and became the, you know, that's where the, Get uh, to remember that the, the Karaji are descended from the Akir. Mm-hmm. And the Akir and the Naraki are literally exuded from old god bodies. Like the old gods just give off these things. They just all the tentacle faced, faceless ones, the chithraxi, all that stuff. The old gods exude them. They're like pieces of the old god. And so the Silithid, the actual Silithid, aren't just na- they're natural life forms. But the Akir are not. And the Akir corrupted the Silithid when the Silithid came into what is now on And, you know, that, that whole deal, that whole process, that's what led to the various... The, the entire reason there's not a big troll empire squatting on Azeroth right now is because they got into a dust-up with the Akir. And in the process, splintered the uh, the original troll empire into like multiple warring tribes because of the, the sheer violence of the fight against the Akir. But in the process they managed to save Azeroth from being destroyed. And keep that in mind. We all owe the trolls for there even being an Azeroth to, to fight over.
2: And they say as much, like when you go through like uh in Mists of Pandaria and you go to the the temple, um why can't I think of it now? One well, the name of the the raid the with Layshan Throne of the Thunder. Or Throne of Thunder. Throne of Thunder, okay. When you do like the console fight, like when you're fighting the individual pieces, like they talk about that. They talk about like their war against the bugs. They talk about that Azeroth owes them and why they're they want to claim it. Like that's why they're doing this whole thing. They're like, We should have had this in the first place. We we're the reason this planet's in one piece. We're the reason that you all can still breathe. Like this is our world. And Megalomania aside, they're not wrong.
1: Um, yeah i mean it's it's the reason that they're not still ruling an empire it's the reason that when when the the elves came up the night elves could so easily push them aside because they expended so much of their power and resources on these on this war and then in the process so many troll tribes broke away and started their own empires and their own states that they weren't unified anymore and there was no way for them to unify against the upstarts Then the upstarts also were using arcane power, which the trolls had never seen before. Trolls, remember, troll magic was very much about, you know, making deals with spirits, the Loa and so forth. They were not prepared for raw arcane might. They didn't know what to do with it. Um, They've since figured it out, but at the time, they did not have the the ability to compete.
2: Yeah, but going back to the the original root of the question, though, like, yeah, it, it... Ankuraj was originally a Titan facility used for the study of, like, in this case, C'Thun. They kept them separated. They kept them apart from each other because putting them together would be a really dumb idea. Um And it could have also been the impact point of where uh C'Thun originally landed. Because that was the other thing that we, that the old gods were, they weren't exactly mobile. I think Nazoth is no. the most mobile out of all of them that we've known besides C'Thun, which, you know, he never really impact landed. Um, but Yasraj, that he was burrowing into the planet to the point of where he made impact with the planet when he was flung into this universe and burrowing down. We can assume that Cthulhu is doing the same because even when we fight Cthulhu, we go into Cthulhu's body, which is under that land. It's underground. It's, it's in that chamber below. Um. So we don't know when that Titan. Ty- I think. Well, we might know now. When High Keeper Rod decided, like when all that stuff went down and it was no longer there to to oversee it, C'Thun begins corrupting, begins. Exp- no, makes- it's
1: it's literally the trolls' fault.
2: Oh, it's the trolls' fault. Go for it.
1: The, the trolls, they basically discovered it while they were fighting the Akir. The Akir were trying to get in. Oh, that's the trolls, right. You know, yeah, trolls basically. Dr- the trolls basically drive them in. And, you know, they woke like, up from like, hibernation. That's right. Yeah, and then, they, then they're like, oh, yeah, good enough that that's that's them dealt with. And they just left. And meanwhile, they were like the Akira were like, oh, it's yogg I mean, it's it's C'Thun. Let's let's wake him up. And so that's yeah, it's the troll's fault. So yeah. while they did save the world, they did also do that. That's also them. Sorry, guys.
2: And um, so which but, means that they are inadvertently the cause of the war of the Shifting Sands. Yes. Which, again, that was another form of containment as well, too, right? So C'Thun at that point was, uh, you know, awake-ish. Uh, you have the Karaji, who are also awake, who now begin yeah, trying to notice, rampage out from their base of operations, which is now a- on Karage.
1: Yeah, and you'll also notice that a lot of the stuff that you fight when you go into AQ is Titan-constructed.
2: It just happens to be molded over with like bioorganic organic like, stuff.
1: Well, well, not all of it. Like, look at Mott. Yeah. They they have the obsidian destroyers. The obsidian destroyers are basically just Tolvir from Old yeah. War from Alduwar. Well yeah, which Ulduar. we
2: know now, yeah.
1: Not Old War. Um
2: Aldoom. They're from Aldoom.
1: Yeah. Uh there's two kinds of Obsidian destroyers. There's the ones up in Northrend, who were the rem- the remnants of Titan of Tolvir that were living in Northrend, who got destroyed or enslaved by the, the uh Nerubians. Uh, another group created by the Old Gods, ultimately, since the Derubians are descended from the Aqir as well. Uh, oh, and then there's the ones that were in Aldum and they had some of those inside Ankaraj. And then there's the big ones, like the, the biggest Anubisath, which if you look at the Anubisath from AQ, they're practically identical to at least one of the bosses in Halls of Origination.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, that's so those guys were also Titan constructs that were enslaved as well that's there that's your evidence you know th- there's no big chains like the ones you see in Alduar and there's no gigantic like you know mechanism like the one you see in Zoth's prison at the you know when you go to the Ashar's trumpet palace because Cthun's been out for a while when you go to Ankharaaj Cthun has had control of that place for millennia they would you keep your old chains around why would he want the locks that they once used to lock him up still in his you know, that's his he doesn't move, as Joe pointed out. He can't go anywhere. He doesn't physically leave that area. He's certainly not gonna le- have his servants keep those chains there. What if they if they if he gets beaten down enough, they could put those back on him? No, get those out of here. I don't want to
2: see that. And those. the things that live around that area know that he's there, at least yeah. to a certain extent. So they're trying to keep that his influence in check. So unlike Northrend, unlike with um Yogg-Saron where nobody knows that Yogg-Saron is in there uh though the the races that surround that aren't aware of that because nobody talks about it like that, that there's a that's a big distinction like if you go down to like uh the Sylphus and the surrounding area you talk to or you go through any of those facilities the races that still exist there like the Tol'vir they know he's there and so they can actively continue to work against outward expression of his power until, you know, we get the whole corruption thing, et cetera, et cetera. But C'Thun doesn't have the same freedom that Yog Saran has because of that. Because yogg is in an area where nobody knows he's there. He can just do whatever he wants. He can, oh, look, you're so broken at a fallen tree. Cool. Uh, here's a little noodly appendage to go say, yep, go do weird, bad things. C'Thun's influence is a little more blunt force trauma than that. So... Yeah, it's it's it is a fascinating thing, but you always have to keep in mind that Encourage started as one of the Titan facilities.
1: Also, to be you know, to step out of side of our lore conversation for a second, the reason it doesn't look the same way is because AQ came out in two thousand seven. Also true. No, two thousand six. Sorry, maybe even two thousand five. Yeah, it was two thousand five. My God, so it came out a lot earlier than say, you know. Alduar.
2: I mean, look, look at all. They hadn't
1: really worked. They hadn't worked it all out yet. Like the ver, the first time we saw Oldham, there was just one doorway in, and we couldn't get through it, and that was it. That was all the Oldham we had, mm-hmm. and we had no idea what was going on in there. And because and I don't know how far in advance Blizzard had this stuff developed, but I am relatively certain that in 2004, when when they were you know getting ready to release World of Warcraft, they did not know the stuff they were going to be doing later. That's just the way that, you know, group shared universe type stuff works. Think of this as the, the the world of Warcraft is essentially the Warcraft cinematic universe in terms of its lore. Stuff keeps getting added. Stuff keeps getting folded in when they did AQ, They did not really hadn't thought about exactly how the old gods got to these places. That's something they came up with later. So, that's why it doesn't look the same.
2: So uh, hopefully that answers your questions uh on those three. Thank you again for uh providing us with those. Uh yeah, it's it's fun to think about some of that stuff, which we haven't really brought up in a while, especially like the Cthune things, because I didn't really remember how similar the architecture was in Encarage after the old god influence to uh the stuff with the, uh, Black Empire nightmare that, uh, Nazoth was forming. And it was cool to kind of go back and actually look and compare those two, because there is definitely, uh, some shared architecture there. Uh, but moving on, our next question comes from our good friend Verdigree. Question for Lorewatch. Have you heard of Turtles All the Way Down? <laughs> uh, in Corthia, and this has some mild spoilers to it, so if you're avoiding Corthia spoilers, sorry. Uh, During the questing, we meet an attendant archivist and her apprentice. She has us visit graves of archivists to communicate with their spirits in order to do a ritual. The ghosts show up to help in order to complete the ritual to imprint a dowsing rod thing with every artifact in her memory the archivist sacrifices her life and becomes a ghost. She then promotes her assist, her apprentice to archivist. Bolvar said he saw worlds within worlds. Perhaps dying as a soul takes you to another shadowland and it's shadowlands all the way down. Maldraxxus doesn't just bring back Liches, the House of Rituals be- beings bring their non-Lich servants all the time. The Lich Sworn, and even we do it on a weekly quest, resing skeletons who are either eager to fight again or furious furious at us. Perhaps the Maw is actually the only place this doesn't happen. After all, it's the only place Stygia and Soulash are found. That's a... Uh... An interesting point, I think. So, I think we talked about this a little bit before. Where, yeah, the only place we see soul ash and Stygia is in the Maw, and it's unclear if that is a byproduct of souls dying uh, after they've been given their other life, or if it's an expenditure of that soul being burned out and uses power, uh, albeit like from the jailer or aspects like that. So. That is definitely a possibility and is definitely something we should consider and continue uh, to look at as what is ash and what is Stygia.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's that. We, we know very little about, quote unquote, souls in WoW. We know that there are soul engines that the the Legion has that apparently destroy souls and use that to create Fel. That Fel is something that can be created by the ultimate annihilation of a soul. We don't know how that works. We don't know if that's the same as what's going on. If if that's just one version of what the Jailer is doing in the Maw. We don't know if dying is a true... A couple of times they say true death. Um, that's said in various parts of Shadowlands. It's like, mm-hmm. a, if I have to die, my true death. So there's some sense of, you know, if you die in a Shadowland, you don't come back. That's, that's one of the things that seems to be part and parcel of what's going on which does make, does beg the question what is going on in Maldraxxus
2: but it's not just Maldraxxus yeah. it's everywhere
1: yeah but Maldraxxus is where they're going around doing a lot of glitch making and resurrecting and and it is interesting to think about like if you die in Maldraxxus and then they raise you it's like being an undead death knight like you know are you double juiced in dead I mean like what what's happening here and so that is something to consider we don't I don't have an answer for you. It is certainly something. It would be kind of interesting to find out that, yes, if you die in some Shadowlands, you can end up in other Shadowlands. Um, but that would kind of like, does that mean the Jailer sorts your dead self? It's like you die, the Jailer sorts you, puts you in, in Revendreth. You die again, the Jailer's like, what? Oh, I guess you don't don't work in Revendreth. Here's this other Shadowland. You, you know, does that happen? I, I don't know. I, I do not know how this works.
2: I've always been coming back to the idea of the machinery of death when I start thinking about this, because we it's a, it's something that was thrown around a lot. Uh, it's something that was talked about a lot, and we haven't really done a whole lot with the aspects of that so far, this expansion. And yes, we weren't even at the first content patch yet, folks, there's going to be more to come. I am confident. Uh, and, we, we know the only thing we know is that when the process was broken, when the quote unquote machinery of death was broken, it seems to be when the arbiter was knocked out of their position uh, and can no longer function in in a way of telling souls where to go Um what is the machinery of death? Why is that such an important thing? Is it what we are experiencing right now? Was it constructed deliberately before the Shadowlands existed? Before Oribos existed, before everything was happening where people were getting basically sorted out like a sorting hat. What was there? Because there was something before that. At least that we can have some semblance of certainty because like the ordering of the universe, this seems to be another aspect of the universe that probably got caught up in the ordering. And I always come back to it. Like maybe that's why maybe there is no final, like final, final death, unless your soul is completely used up and burned and repurposed. And the final death to denizens of the shadowlands isn't necessarily going to another shadowlands uh, or to another realm of death based off of whatever they did while they were alive in their particular realm of the shadowlands maybe instead it's they lose the identity of self and that itself becomes a true death to them. Because all the creatures, all the entities we interact with have distinct personalities. Even the attendants have roles and their personalities play into that role or the role plays under the personality, whichever way you want to look at it. What if to somebody in the Shadowlands, your final death, your true death, is no longer being that person? Now, going back to the Corthia stuff, that is a really interesting point because we see that everywhere. Every every single one of the Shadowlands has an aspect of this. Not all of them are on the nose like Meldraxus is, and Meldraxus, even if you don't choose it as your covenant, it's the fir- one of the first things you do is you go to the boneyard, essentially of failed bodies, and you say, "Get up, get a sword. Here's some anima. You're back. Uh, you're off the bench. Time to go. You know." take some swings and they get up and they do it. But what was happening to them before that? Were they just inert? Were they just dead? Quote unquote, or was their power being reserved for something else? And I think there's an aspect to that, that we should look at at some point, And we probably will as characters in game as things, I don't want to say start to calm down, but as we start getting to sort of the crescendo of the expansion, I have a feeling that's a question we're going to start asking is, wait a minute, why is this a thing? And I don't just mean just the bodies coming back, I mean Ardenweld and Revendreth and Maldraxis and Bastion, why do they exist? Why were they created? Why is Oribos a thing? Why is the Arbiter a thing? Because you notice, that's a question nobody has asked so far in game. None of the NPCs, none of the, the major story arcs have asked the question, why is the Arbiter? We just go and help because we're told that that's the way it's supposed to be. And maybe that's what the jailer has been railing against all this time is that nothing can truly die now. There is no true death. Or maybe that's what Silvana saw, and that's what she's railing against a little bit. But Corthia seems to put a little more emphasis on that, because even though the archivist sacrifices her life... She doesn't really sacrifice her life. She just becomes a part of a different whole by lending her power and knowledge to something else, but still exists as a ghost. And with the archivists that came before those ghosts still know who they are. They just don't have the full aspect of their power because we can communicate with them. We talk with them and we call them spirits, but we're essentially just communicating with the essence of their intelligence uh, of their id. I, I don't know. Like it's, it's fascinating because this starts asking more questions about what it means to have an existence in the Shadowlands, and now it makes me start worrying and thinking about things like all those folks that we've come to love in Arnwell, like like Chufa, um, like the Ursine protecting uh, Ursine Protector. I can't remember their name, uh, but now even like Ysera, who is now part of that. What does that mean for them? Is that something that they can never truly escape? Is that something that now that they're a part of it, they can't be sent back? Because that's the other thing, too. Like, thinking about the Queen's Conservatory. Those spirits are nurtured and powered up and then sent back through a portal. They're gods or powerful beings akin to gods or Loa, and they're sent back through. But What does that mean for everybody else? We don't see, quote-unquote, mortal souls go back through that. We just see immortal souls go back through that. Why? Is it because once you're born here, you're stuck? And I'm I'm it, it, I'm sorry. I know that's more questions than answers to any of it. But I I going back to the root of it. I don't think it's Shadowlands all the way down. I think there's more to it, and I think it's questions we're going to start asking. All right. Anything else you want to add to that?
1: No, I think that pretty much covers it.
2: All right, I think we have time for one more. This one comes from Jack Jack. Question for Lorewatch. Watch: Where in the cosmic alignment do you think Alun is, and how do you see that interacting with Tyrande and the power of the Night Warrior? I'm thinking specifically about parallels between her and our friend Urel. What do you think, Matt?
1: Um, I think back to the thing we asked before: like, what happens if you have a being like a Titan that has free will? And we know that Alun was part of the. When we went through Legion, and they had the various, um, I want to say, pillars of creation.
2: Yeah, pillars of creation.
1: And when we had them, they were variously. They were related to various titans, except the tier of Alun. It wasn't a tier of A It was a tier of Alun. Mm-hmm. Why was it a bunch of titans and Alun? Why was loon involved? When we found Aonar, she was on a world called Elunaria. Why? What's up with all this? What is loon? I don't know the answer to that question, but I do think there's... If you have a being that is not just light and is not just void, you have a Naru. We know that the Naru are apparently affected by the tear of a loon. You bring the tear of a loon to um I want to say I can't remember her name. The the one that was so obsessed with than
2: Oh um Maeve.
1: No. Or not Mave. Um the 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 alone the Naru. The oh yeah uh, Zera. Yeah when Zera is exposed to the Tear of loon, it reactivates her consciousness core. Why? And we, we, you know, we used to joke about the whole aluna Zanaru thing, uh, hand, hand. Um, but think about what it means to be a being that has transcended, you know, your role, that has gone beyond the point where you do what you do because you're an orderly being and you are predictable and you do that. You've, you've gained the ability to think about why you do it and to make your own decisions about it. That being might not belong on some cosmic alignment chart because that being has transcended alignment. Mm -hmm. If it if it can do more than just be a light being or be a void being. Because we know we've now seen that there's a dark side to a loon. The night warrior is the eclipse. The moon goes out. The moon is blocked. If you're in if you're in Ashenville right now and you look up, not yeah, it is Ashenville, you look up at the sky. The moon is forever floating there in an eclipse form and it never stops. The day never comes. It's like Shadow Moon Valley. What was Shadow Moon Valley? A per- eternally dark place because there was a Naru up in the sky that was in its dark phase.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's, I don't think that a Loon is a Naru, but I think that saying a is a Naru isn't wrong exactly so much as i think it's like trying to understand a person by looking at their toe the old thing about you know a bunch of blind people is an elephant which i personally find incredibly offensive now that i'm blind thanks guys but it's still you you know the point you know if you're only touching a little piece of it that's you know oh it's got the, it's like a snake it's got this long thing no you're looking at her toe and you think you you have the entire being understood yeah that's what i think we're dealing with with loon.
2: This is something I've been thinking about a little bit. Maybe not as much as I I would like to, you know, claim I have, but I think you might be on to something with the whole transcended being thing. Let's say that Alun was a Naru at one point. Maybe the first Naru. Maybe the one of which all other Naru were born. Maybe. That's not who Alun is anymore. And looking at all of the aspects of loon, and, and there are aspects of loon, multiple facets of, of what loon is that we've seen, and I don't think we've seen all of them, it's almost like loon has become a transcendent part of reality. Because the power of loon touches the Emerald Dream, exists in the Shadowlands, seems to touch all of the major spheres of influence, has that dark side, which is almost like its own own section of the cosmology. It's almost like a is a multifaceted gem that happens when you ascend and truly understand reality. And it's almost, in a lot of ways, to me, maybe not on the same scale, but you kind of saw that with Yassiraj a little bit. When Yassiraj died, Yassiraj didn't die. Yasraj actually became greater than. It became different, transcended its old god corporeal form, and became the Shah. And the Shah are vast. The Shah are powerful. And the Shah have accomplished more corruption in subtle ways and more influence than almost any of the old gods have ever claimed to be able to do. Left unfettered, left uncontained, probably could be doing a better job than any of the old gods at corruption and show them a thing, or two. Maybe that also may happen with Elune. If Elune broke in such a way that was no longer what Elune was before, and what we see now is an aspect of order of magnitude greater, which is why there are so many different pieces of her, and why Elune touches so many different things. All and
1: exists in th- so many different worlds. Uh-huh. Like, you know, we meet a Night Warrior from a very di- one of the first Night Warriors, as far as we can tell, and from a completely different world than Azeroth. I honestly don't think that Alun ever was an Aru. I think that comparing Alun to an Aru is like comparing me to my skin cells as they flake <laughs> off of me. Sure, no, I'm not kidding. Like, I think uh, that's not a joke. I think that that's that's actually not even close to the level of difference. I, I think that the Naru are much further below Alun than what I just said about my skin cells and me. I think that they, they but I think that there's a pattern here. Like, I think. There's one of the things Joe just mentioned. The Shah, the Shah are empowered by emotion. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter what you do as long as you you know it's it's like the the one of the reasons that people of Pandaria have learned to folk to keep like control of themselves. They've learned to keep their emotions in check. You you can't control yourself from having emotions, but you can keep them from raging freely. You have to control yourself. You have to hold on to your emotions. We don't know. What Alun is in terms of what what empowers her, if anything, does. But we do know that Alun doesn't just go around acting like Alun didn't just blow up the horde when they were invading, you know, Ashenvale. She and she didn't just bodily save all those Night Elves trapped on the tree. She let them die. Was it because she couldn't? Now clearly, she had power enough to block out the moon and turn Ashenvale into pure night all the time. But she didn't use it until Taranda basically demanded she use it. Why? Why is it that Taranda had to get really mad to get the, the loon to act? What does that say about a loon? A loon obviously acts in other worlds, but again, in order to stop the destruction of their world, um, they had to create a night warrior and and use that. That's Alun did nothing to the old god in that world until there was a night warrior. So does Alun have like Alun doesn't know we don't know that Alun has that kind of personification until somebody comes along and adopts it. And yet we know Alun has like acted in the past. We've seen her when you did that quest back in the old days. Uh, this is original WoW quest, so if you're in WoW Classic, you might have got to see it. There's a quest in Winter Spring about the the, um, the Moonkin and where they come from. Elune made them. They exist because Alun wants them to exist, and they used to serve a role. Mm-hmm. They would come forth when Maloon had something she wanted people to know. They would be there. That's, to me, why did she do that, and then why did she kind of let it go? Like the Moonkin today don't serve that role. Why not? There's a lot to Alon we don't understand. So I don't think she belongs anywhere on that chart. But we don't know what Alloon is enough to really answer it, even if I thought she did belong somewhere.
2: Fair. And I would agree with that. I think I think that whatever Alon is has transcended whatever the cosmolo- the limitations of a standard cosmology chart. So But I think that's gonna do it for us, unless there's anything else you want to add, Matt.
1: No, I think I've ran on quite a bit there. <laughs>
2: Well, thank you very much, folks. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast lighting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience. Again, if you have questions for this or the other podcast, be sure to send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com or you can hit us up on our Discord for the Patreon queue and podcast supporter section. Uh, or just the Q questions section and let us know what you want us to talk about. But with that, folks, we'll see you next week.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.